Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, um, we're we're going to continue this morning. We're we're continuing our walk through this this kind of mini series. We took a took a break from the book of John, and and we're just looking at this idea of what does it mean to belong to the church. What what do we what do we talk about as as we're thinking about this? Uh, what Craig just said um, as as he was talking about kind of this whole process of of going from uh, I had to write it down because. Was it, is it comfortable or casual? What did Craig say? Casual. That's right. I wrote it down wrong. Shoot. I, I had first service help me, and so I thought maybe it would stick, but it did not. So uh, casual to what, what was the next one? Committed to? Committed, connected, right? All right, let's try that one more time. We, we almost got it, all right? We, what does it mean to go from casual to Committed to connected. That's what we're talking about. We're, we're thinking about belonging in the church. We're, we're thinking about what, what does that look like for me to, to go from casual to committed to connected? What does that look like? And, and as I was thinking about this uh, throughout this week, um, I went to, I was at Dunkin' Donuts this past week, which it's fine, right? It's fine. They have, a, they have a really good pumpkin donut. So if you haven't had that yet, it is the season for pumpkin spice things, which it's glorious. I love it. Um, and if you haven't had a, that's, that's, that's just free information. Go to Dunkin', get their pumpkin donuts. It's good. Um, but when I, when I was there, I saw this little thing uh, advertising to like join their rewards program. And I kept thinking, join your rewards program? I mean, I like your pumpkin donuts, but that's where this stops, right? I don't, I don't need to join anything. I give you money. You give me a pumpkin donut. That's it. I don't even need a receipt, all right? Just, just gone. But, but everywhere, I, again, maybe this is just me. Everybody, I, I'm just a really cool person, so everybody wants me to be a part of their thing. Maybe that's the case. I don't think so. But everywhere you go, like, if you go, go get gas at break time. Like, what do you, you have to click through? Insert your rewards card. I don't have a rewards card. I'm not a part of your club. I just want gas, and then I'll go, right? And please stop raising it, right? That's, that's what I want. Like, you, you go to anywhere. Every time I go to Gerbs and, and I'm, I put my card in, the little card reader will ask, have you inserted your Gerbs reward card yet? And it's like, no. Because you know why? I don't have it. Because I don't want to, I, I just want milk and eggs and that's it. I don't need to be on your mailing list. I don't need to know what, what, what's going on at Gerbs. I, I don't, and, and maybe, maybe this attitude that I feel, maybe what I'm doing right now in real time as we get to be in this together, maybe what I'm doing is I'm giving voice to where our culture is continuing to move into this isolated, uh, I don't need to be a part of your thing. I'm, I'm fine on my own. Maybe that's what I'm doing. Maybe, maybe that's it. But as, as, as we kind of go through this and everywhere we go is inviting us to be a part of their thing, it's, it's interesting to me that we, now we're in church and we're saying, let me make a case for why you should belong here. Let me make a case for, for, for why we believe that belonging to the church, belonging to church leads to a life of flourishing. 
And, and you, you might be thinking, yeah, I've heard this before. I, I've heard that at Duncan. How are you different than Duncan or Hy-Vee? At least at Hy-Vee, I get a little bit off my fuel saver card, right? What about this? Like, if, if you're showing up, sometimes I think we, we come to church and we're like, you know, I, I don't need to be a part of your thing. I'm just coming because I don't, this is what I do still, maybe. Or, or maybe, maybe you're here and you still don't know why you're here. Maybe, maybe there's something hard going on in your life and you're like, I've heard that church is a place where I can find some answers. And now you're asking me to believe. I don't need that. Or you're asking me to belong. I don't need that. I just want you to give me some answers and then I'll go, we'll be fine. See, what, what Paul is talking about when, when he is talking about the church, when we look in, actually in 1 Corinthians 12, when we look at what Paul is talking about the church, this body of believers coming together, he uses an illustration of the body. Right? And again, if, we, if you think about the context, the people that this, 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a group of people. Right? And, and the, the group of people this is being written to are a group of people that they had issues Right? I, I, that song always plays in my head whenever I say that. Like, they got issues, I got them too. It's not a great song, but it's just is what plays in my head. And, and they had issues, and Paul's saying, hey, you, you got a lot of issues, and yet here's the invitation. The invitation is as you're trying to figure out, like, okay, what are my gifts, and how am I wired, and all these different things. He uses this illustration of the body where he's saying, you might be a hand, or you might be a foot, or you might be an eye. But guess what? An eye without a body, not good. And a body without an eye, not good. Right? I, I, I've said it before and I love this saying. It didn't originate with me. But, but an ear without a body is a crime scene. Right? If you're swimming around and all of a sudden an ear floats by, not good. Person floating by with an ear, yeah, that's normal. Right? See, see what, what we need to understand is that the church is the context in which believers are, are invited to flourish. That's, that's what we're, it's the provision that God has given us. He's saying, hey, when you come together in this way, it's flourishing. And yet, and yet we see when we go into 1 Corinthians 13, again, thinking about it in this context, he's saying, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Right? If you don't have love. See, what, what I want to talk about this morning is this idea that confidence in God's provision empowers us to become loving presence people. Confidence in God's provision that he has given us a body, a context in which to flourish. He's given us a body in which, and, and I, love his, I love his illustration because he's saying, look, if you're an I, you can't be like, well, look at me, I'm an I. <laughs> Right? I'm, I'm really awesome. I'm great. Who needs, who needs that left hand? I can't even do anything with the left hand. I've tried to sign my own name with this left hand. It's stupid. I don't need this left hand. He's saying you can't do that because if you chop your left hand up, now guess what? Your body's not flourishing. You need it. So you can't say, oh, I'm so good. I don't need this. And on the other, on the other side, you can't say, oh, I'm just a left hand. I can't even sign my own name. I can't do anything. I can't feed myself. I'm like, you know, I can't do anything with this left hand. I'm not an eye, so I guess I don't belong. He said, no. Just because you think you don't belong doesn't mean you don't belong. And just because you think more of yourself than you ought, does, like we all need each other, right? We have a place to belong and a place to flourish. And yet then he goes and he says, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. 
Love is the fuel for our flourishing. Right? And, and yet, for me, when I, even when I say that, and as I was thinking through this the past, uh, this past few weeks, I have, this, I have this like internal eye roll, even when I say that. And I, and I think part of it's because I'm just not a romantic. You know, you can pray for my wife. Like, I, for me, I struggle with date night. Like, I, I, for me, it's like if we do one thing that was like fun for a date night, guess what we're going to do for the rest of our marriage? that thing, right? Like there, there have been times where I'm like, hey, let's go downtown and we'll shoot darts and shoot pool and just have fun. And we did that. And it's like, that was so much fun. And she's like, yeah, that was fun. Okay, guess what we're going to do next week? She's like, not that. What? It's, I'm just not a romantic. And so when I think about how love is the fuel for flourishing, it's like, oh my goodness. What you want us just to all, like Paul, what are you talking about? You want us all just to hold hands? And get in a big circle and sing kumbaya. You know, it's just encourage everybody and just love it. Like, I think he's saying, kind of. Right? I mean, if you, if you read in 1 Corinthians 13, if you start with verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am what? Nothing, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain what? Nothing. What's he saying there? He's saying, look, you, you have this context. God has provided a way for us as the body to belong and to flourish. And yet, if you don't have love, you are nothing. And in fact, I think what Paul is saying here is he's actually saying, you're actually less than nothing. Right, that, that first illustration that he gives, uh, if, I have, if I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, what's he say? I am a what? I'm a clanging cymbal, a resounding gong. See, I, I think for, for a lot of us, for me, there's a, there's a part of me where I think if I can just know the right things, right? If I can just, if I can just be ready, with any question you, you come at me with, then I'll be ready to go, right? If, if you have a question about end-time theology, I can just be like, boom, here's the right answer. Here, if, you, if you add up these numbers and then, no, I'm kidding, kidding, right? We're not going there. But, but it's like, it's, it's this idea I have, like if I can just know the right things, if I, can just, if I can just have a lot of faith, if I can just do, and what Paul says, if you come to me and you say, well, Luke, can you explain to me the gospel? What's the God? And I say, well, if you turn to Romans chapter 3 and you, you look at it and you see what Jesus is doing. Yeah, right? How many of you are like, I stop. That was too long. You, you don't do that again. No, I'm kidding. Like, right? I, that's so, I was talking to people after the first service and they were saying, that was so harsh. It's like, Yeah. I think that's the point, right? I mean, how many of us have been in a situation and we go to somebody because maybe we're in a spot and we're experiencing something and we get a canned answer and instead of it being like a, like a refreshment to our souls, it's like, ah, I don't know if you actually care. It actually does the opposite of what we intend, 
Right? I mean, if, if I, what Paul is saying here is if you know the right things and if you, if you can say all the right things and if you give your body over and if you have faith that can do miraculous things but you don't have love, I, I won't hit it again. If you don't have love, all I hear is this. Right? See, love is the fuel for our flourishing. And, and so, but then he, he, he starts to talk about, well, well what, what does that love then look like? If, if that's the case, what does love look like? It, because if we're going to put, our, put our, our trust in the provision of God, that he's given us a place to flourish, then the question is, well, well what does it look like for me to be a loving presence person where, where all people hear isn't this clanging cymbal or a resounding gong? What, is that, what does that look like for me to engage with? And there's five characteristics that I want to talk about this morning um, that, we can, that we can think about when we look at what, what love is. And we're going to walk through these next verses. Uh, verse 2, if I have the gift, or excuse me, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind. Let's stop there. Right? Even if this is your first time in church, most likely you've heard that passage, right? If you've been in a wedding, like I've done a lot of weddings, this is a, this is a popular verse. And yet, the, when we think about it in the context of this church where everybody's got issues, and he says, here's what love is. First characteristic of a loving presence person is the curious you might be thinking, curious. I just read love is patient, love is kind. Well, see, the reality is when, when, I, when I think of patience and kindness, Paul uses these terms a lot together. And when, when I think about patience, I think about kind of a, um, this idea where it's, where it's maybe a little passive. Patience, it's almost like patience creates space for people to be who they are and be where they're at. No matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, no matter where you're at in this spiritual journey, patience, I believe, gives us space to be there, to, to, to be where God has us. In. And, and maybe, maybe you're saying, I don't even know what I believe about God. That's, that's where you're at. We can be patient. And kindness gives tools. Kindness comes towards somebody and says, hey, I see where you're at and we have patience for that. And I want to walk with you to where God is calling you to be. Right? I was, I was thinking about this this morning as I was walking my dogs. I'm a, I'm a dog person, even though sometimes I wonder why. Um, no, I was walking my dogs this morning, and, you know, there, there are times where I'm just like, why, why do I have dogs? Right? Like, why? I'm a man. Right? I'm the master of my domain. And yet, you know, it's like, I got things to do. I want to get to church. I got to get things set up. And yet, I got to take you dogs on a walk? Are you kidding me? And I have to pick up your poop? Like this. Why am I doing this? Right? And, and, and amen? No? Amen. Yeah. And so, but, but I still, I, I've got two dogs. I still, you know, I still love them. And, and, but I'm, I'm taking them on a walk this morning. It's early and, and I have a little dog and I have a big dog and my little dog is just the most stubborn thing. And, and he like sniffs everything and it's just, it drives me, it drives me crazy. Like really. Cause I'm on a, cause my bigger dog, like she's just, she just runs. Like she's going, and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's keep going. Right? Cause we got things to do. I got places to be. I'm not walking you all over God's green earth. Like, get your business done and let's go. And there, there'll be times where I'm following the bigger dog and I'm walking pretty quick and I'm walking and all of a sudden I just feel like, oh, whoops. 
my, my little dog, you know, he'll like roll, you know, it kind of rolls him. And I was just like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. You're not quite at the same pace as me. And there are times where I can feel myself just being like, why don't, are, are you kidding? Like, come on, grow a little, right? Like get some longer legs. We got places to do. I got things to, but, and, and, and again, it's like, we're talking about dogs, and yet this morning as I was walking dogs and I was thinking about the message, I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, is this what patience looks like? I was like, patience? I don't need patience for my dogs. They don't need patience. They don't need kindness. Right? And, and yet I felt the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, but how often is this what it looks like as you walk with other people? I was, I was talking to Molly uh, after the first service, and she was saying that she, she read something somewhere where it, it talked about moving at the pace of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's, it's this idea of even though I'm saying, hey, I got things to do. I got places to be. We got a mission to accomplish. If you're falling behind, hey, I guess that's too bad. We're, we're going, Right? Get with the program. Let's do it. And yet the reality, what we're talking about, even our mission as a church, we want to create space for people to discover Jesus and find their place in his story. That's, that's curiosity to say, okay, what does it look like for you to have space to discover Jesus and find your place in his story? What does it look like for us to, to not just keep moving forward, but to say, hey, I, maybe I need to slow down and walk at the pace of love. Maybe I need to create some space for you to be where God has you right now and for me to help you become who God is leading you to be. Patience and kindness. It's, it's curiosity. The second characteristic of loving presence people is hospitable. Hospitable. Uh, it, the, that verse goes on to say, um, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud hospitable hospitality Craig gave a definition one time hospitality is is creating space for the stranger to be strange right and and we're not talking about stranger as in like a weirdo like wow that guy don't look over there that guy's weird but but a stranger to come into a space and be strange how many of you at, at times maybe Maybe when you came to this church for the first time, you, you walk in and you're like, well, everybody's going to that door. I guess I go to that door too, or everybody's doing that, or everybody's saying that. We're talking about connection groups. I don't know what a connection group is. You know, and, and every organization, even, even jobs, every place has their own language. Have you ever noticed this? Like different ministries, uh, like we call them connection groups. And somebody might say, well, is that the same as a life group or a missional community or a fight club? Is that the same? I don't know what those are, but, but we have connection groups. So join a connection group, right? See, we can, we can come into spaces and we all, we all know what we're saying, right? We all know where the coffee is. And there's coffee down there and there's coffee down there. We know where that is. But when, when, when the stranger comes in, the, the, for, for some of you, maybe, maybe, if, maybe you don't have the same uh, perspective, the same experience. But I remember when I was a kid growing up at a very small country church that we, we had, I mean, we rarely had visitors, right? This is like way out in the country. Um, and, and when we did have visitors, the pastor would make them stand and we'd all clap for them and... And then we didn't have visitors anymore, right? Um, 
But, but there, there would be times, like I remember one time as a really little kid, I don't remember how old I was, but I walked in and I walked to our pew and there was somebody sitting there. I, it, was, I, it was so disorienting. And, you know, and I can, I can remember, because I think my parents told this story, you know, a few times, but I can remember walking up to the pew and saying, well, what do we do now? Because this is, this is my pew. This is my spot. Doesn't this person know what, what's up with this space? Right? Lots of times we can have uh, like a resort mentality when we come to church, when it comes to church. Right? The difference between a resort mentality, a mission mentality. Like if, if let's say you're going on vacation. And you pay a bunch of money to go to this exotic space. And, and then you get there and you realize that you get to sleep on a, on a mat on the floor. And then for, for food, you get to eat things like a whole fish. And guess what? The eyeball is like the most honorable. So you get to, you get to eat the eye. Yeah, right? And then, and then what if for, for activities throughout the day, you get to do free labor? Right? What, what would that review be like on TripAdvisor or, you know, on Yelp? You know, do not recommend. This is, but, but again, if, if that's a mission trip, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm still, it's not like I would enjoy the eyeball, but it makes sense. Right? As opposed to going on a resort where, man, I, I, we got to, for the first time, we got to uh, celebrate my, my son graduating. We went to Mexico to this resort and for like four days... I literally did nothing but lay by a pool. It was glorious. I think that's what heaven's going to be like, maybe. You know? and, and it's like, they, they just brought food to you. I just felt like a king. It's like, yes, feed me. I'll just open my mouth. You know? Not that bad. But, but it was, it, see, in church at times, we can have this resort mentality where I come into a space. This is my space. This is my chair. I'm going to put my name on it. When I think what it means to be a loving presence person is creating space for the stranger to be strange, to have a mission mentality that says, hey, welcome. Let me meet, meet you where you're at. Let's create space for the stranger to be strange. The, the third char- characteristic of a, of a loving presence person is a loving presence person is a bucket filler. You might be saying, now wait a second. I don't even know if that's New Living Translation or, or what you're reading. But, but, but bear with me. Verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. The ESV says it is, love is not rude. The, this idea of being a bucket filler, when my kids were in elementary school, they had this program that talked about being bucket fillers and not bucket dippers. And there were times where they were saying, in your life, you need people who are bucket fillers, right? Not, not people who are going to take it out of your bucket. And when, as I was reading what Paul's talking about and saying, okay, what does it look like for this church that has a lot of issues to be loving presence people? He says, look, what love is, is it doesn't honor, dishonor others. That, that's the idea of shaming others, doing what ought not to be done. It's this idea of, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to puff myself up. I'm not going to be envious of what you have. I'm not going to be dishonoring. See, there, there are times where when, when we come in contact with other people and, and we act in ways that are not honoring to where they're at, 
And in fact, I want to use this illustration. I was trying to figure out if I was going to do this. And I will. Uh, who can, can I get a volunteer? Brave. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Come on up. What's your name? Kayla. All right. Can you sit there? Kayla. All right. Thank you, Kayla. I appreciate So Kayla, I've never met you before, right? Right. Yeah. So my name's Luke. Nice to meet you. All right. Kayla's so brave, right? This is awesome. So, so Kayla, I just want you to sit there. So this is the first time meeting. So if I come up to you, you're sitting on this stool and, all right, you ready? Okay. And I just start going like this, right? Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do, Kayla, when I'm, do, when I'm doing that? What are you doing with my... Ask me to stop? Yeah, that's... Yeah, what are you doing with your hands right now? <laughs> Holding on, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? See, lots of times when people come into our space and, and you know, we, we meet them where they're at and we say, oh, Kayla's got a stool. Well, I'm going to try and... Ah, that's, yeah, she's ready, right? <laughs> she's ready. See, lots of times what we do instead of being bucket fillers, instead of meeting Kayla where she's at and seeing, okay, she's, she's where she's at, I think, okay, I need to tear her down. So that I can build something back up. And yet what we do when we do that, what do you do, Kayla? Yeah, right? We just hold on tighter. How many of us have changed our views because of a really good argument? One. Yeah, all right. Yeah, some, some people, right? Some people, some situations. Very rarely, can I say that, Tony? Very rarely when somebody comes up to us and they see where they're at and they start trying to kick, yeah, she's ready. And, and they, they want to kick out from underneath of us where we're at. It just makes us hold on even tighter. See, what would it look like for us to be a group of people that says, I see where you're at. And instead of trying to tear you down to, to build up whatever I want to build up and in order to tear down where you're at, in order to, to make something else look better, I'm going to meet you where you're at. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, thank you, Kayla. I'm not going to kick it anymore. So you can go sit down. Thank you, Kayla. Yeah, Kayla's so brave. See, what, what, what would it look like for us to be loving presence people, to be bucket fillers? The, the, the third, the fourth characteristic of, of uh, loving presence people is that we're people of second chances. People of second chances. If you continue to read on there, um, it is not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. I heard a response to that. Is not easily angered, does not keep a record of wrongs. There's a, there's a part of me when I read that, even every time I read that, it's like, man, I feel like I can breathe when I read that. You know, when, when we're a presence, a loving presence, where there's not fear that, okay, you get one chance. Welcome in. We're so glad to have you here. You get one chance, right? Fool me once. Strike three. What does that make you want to do? Does it make you want to say, oh man, this is such a life-giving place. This is awesome. I'm going to show up in vulnerability. You know, I'm one chance. For me, what that, what that makes me feel like is, oh, I better hide, right? I better put on whatever mask I need to put on. And guess what? You're never coming to my house, right? You're never, you're never going to see anything other than me. And, and when I go back to get coffee and I'm pushing on a coffee thing, and if I see you coming, you know, I'm, I'm going to get out of there. Because if I got one chance, I guarantee I'm going to get it wrong. Guarantee I'm going to let you down. 
And yet what Paul says is to be a life-giving presence, to be a life-giving people, we're people with, of second chances, right? Where even we see this all throughout, I mean, what Paul says this in, in the book of Romans, and he's quoting uh, Daniel from the Psalms. He says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sins. See, oftentimes what happens uh, when we get into organizations and when we get into groups, we become people who walk around with labels. We screw up. Oh, you're that person. And, and for the rest of the time here, it's almost like we're walking around with invisible labels on ourselves. Have you ever experienced that before? It's not life-giving. It's not loving. And yet what Paul is inviting us into is to say, hey, what does it look like to be a life-giving presence? It means that you believe the gospel and, and you know, man, I, I serve a God who is, allows me to be a person who shows up in my vulnerability. And, and I, I've heard it said that the, it's the difference between high monitoring and low monitoring relationships. High monitoring is like, ooh, every, every interaction, I got to figure out how can I say this in such a way that you're not going to leave me, you're not going to be offended by me, I don't know what to say. It's fear. Low monitoring, however, low monitoring is like, okay, I can show up in vulnerability. I can trust I can trust that there is, if I get it wrong, we can repair. You see that? Love does not keep a record of wrongs. To be loving presence people means that we're people of second chances. And the, and the, fifth, thing, the fifth thing that I want to put before you is that loving presence people are secure. Loving presence people are secure. What, we're we're going to jump ahead just a little bit. But at verse 7, it says, It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Does anybody have a different version? Says something different? Nobody wants to be brave like Kayla? That was shaming. I'm sorry. Anybody have a different version they want to share? Okay, that's fine. We'll stick with that. All right? What, what we see there, though, when Paul is giving these four different things that love always, the, the first and the fourth, the first and the fourth are things that are right now. Uh, uh, another translation says love bears all things, right? It's, it's right now. It's, it's what is happening right now. But the middle two are things that we need in the future. Always trusts, always hopes, Right? See, lots of times what we do, especially if we're in a situation where it's fearful, where we're trying to protect, where we don't feel like we can have second chances, we create moments where it's like, well, I'm not secure in the moment, and I'm certainly not going to be secure in the future. We create future existences where God doesn't exist. What happens if I say that? What happens if I do this? What happens if this? What happens tomorrow if this? We, it, it sends us oftentimes into a spiral of anxiety and fear. And yet the reality is, is those places are often places where we don't give space for God to work at all. And yet when we say, okay, what would it look like for me to be secure in the now and the later? That's what love brings. Craig talked about it last week. Jesus has all authority. What does he do? He serves you. He loves you. He comes alongside you. I was talking to uh, Jim Spielman 
this past week, and I asked Jim if I could share this, uh, but Jim is an awesome member of this church, and if you don't know Jim, do yourself a favor and, and meet Jim because he is a blessing. Uh, Jim just recently had a um, pretty serious surgery. And so I was talking to Jim, and it was so cool because he said before he went into the surgery, he, he met with Pastor Craig, and, and Craig really um, was able to help him see, like, hey, Jim, it looks like you're just really um, secure in what's going to happen next. Like, you you're, you're have peace about it. And he's like, yeah, I do. You're right. And he said that just stuck with him. And, and even after the surgery, when he was in a lot of pain and things were kind of blood pressure wasn't where they wanted it to be and all. He said, I kept thinking about that. And, and he told me in that security, he was telling me about person after person after person that came into his room and, and they were coming, nurses and doctors were coming in to treat him and minister to him. And guess what? He ministered to them because the security that he experienced see, loving presence people are secure and that security is infectious just want to be around him more. And, and it was so cool because he was telling me, I, I don't even know, he, he, he was even like under pain meds and stuff. And he was telling me names and, and stories and how he's praying for this person, all these different things. I was just like, oh my goodness, Jim, that is beautiful. Because that's what it looks like to be a secure person, a secure presence. See, what, I, I believe what Paul is talking about here is he's saying, look, this is what it looks like to be a loving presence person. To be curious and hospitable, to, to be a bucket filler, and, and, and don't be afraid to give second chances because we're secure in the now and the later. But, but then what does he say about love? Because if you're anything like me, I think about this, and I, and I feel this, and I go through these different things, and you're saying, that's, you're, wait a second, you're saying that's church? I don't know about that. I don't know if I've experienced that. I don't know if I've been there. And, and yet, I, I, I love what Paul says in uh, the beginning of chapter 14. He's going to pick up the conversation about spiritual gifts. But what he says is kind of like the last thing he says about love. Pursue love. The NIV says, follow the way of love. The, this idea of pursue love, it's, it's the, the word, it's like chase after, to, to overcome, to, to chase after it. If you're, if you're encouraging somebody to chase after something, what is implied there? What's implied? It's worthwhile. What else? Don't stop. Do you pursue, do you chase after things that are easy? that are just standing still? No. Right? Usually if you're pursuing after something, they're running too. Right? It's, it's like, usually it's like, oh, I'm going to chase that. Oh, I caught you. I, okay, I guess I didn't have to pursue you very hard. That's great. I mean, that's good. Right? But I, I don't think that's what Paul is talking about. I think he's saying, look, this is difficult. It's hard. We've all been in situations where we have not experienced love the way we would like for it to be experienced. We, we have been in situations where people have not been loving presence, presences towards us. And, and church, are we going to get this wrong? This idea of loving presence people, are we going to get it wrong? Yes, all of God's people said, yes, we're going to get it wrong. 
And yet the reality is if we're all pursuing love together, if we're all chasing after love together, even if I get it wrong and if you get it wrong, and and hopefully, hopefully, if we're pursuing it together, then we're going to be a loving presence person because if I get it wrong, guess what? I get a second chance. If I, if I get it wrong, guess what? Maybe, maybe, hopefully, you can be curious towards me. And if you get it wrong, I can be curious towards you. And we can cre- be hospitable people. And we can come together and we can say, okay, what would it look like for me to be a loving presence person right now in this space? Because again, Dunkin' Donuts, they might invite you in to, you know, you, maybe you get a few cents off your pumpkin donut next time. That's great. We have more to offer than Duncan. We have a life that says, hey, you can live a life of flourishing. Because the body, the, the, what God is allowing us to be a part of, what he is providing for us. And when we have faith in God's provision, when we have confidence in God's provision, we can become loving presence people. I, I want to end, there, there was a book called um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. I read a, a while back. But it was one of those books that just really stuck with me because the, the author, Rosario Butterfield, is her name, um, she talked about how she was, was, I won't go into it too much, but she was on a, you can read the book, very different path, very different path. She saw church people as hateful, um, like spiteful. Uh, if you want to go to church, you're going to experience a lot of judgment. I mean, there's just like she, church people were the worst people. And she, she's a, uh, she was a journalist. And so she wanted to say, see, like, why are these people so hateful? And she wrote an article and a pastor sent her a letter. And it wasn't a letter saying, no, you shouldn't say these things, but it was a letter inviting her in. And this pastor invited her in, and, and it, it was so, the, the story is so beautiful, because what that pastor did is he didn't, he didn't say, now let me tell you before we start meeting, let me tell you where you're wrong, and I'm right, and all these things. He didn't kick her stool. He didn't, he didn't try and, he didn't try and tear down anything that she had. He just loved her where she was at. And as she experienced that loving presence, she came to a space, after, after a lot of time, he, the, him and his family and their community, they were patient and they were kind. And after a long time, Rosario came to a space where she said, you know what? Jesus has to be real because of the way these people love me. And that started her on a journey to see, okay, what does, what does Jesus require of me if I say yes to Jesus? See, it doesn't take us knowing all the right things, right? What we're being invited into is to be people of loving presence. So, so this morning, I want to pray for us as the worship band um, comes up, and we're going to take communion. Craig's going to come up. But I want to ask the question, what would it look like for you to step into this pursuit of love, to be a loving presence person, to be curious, to be, to be hospitable, to be a curious, hospitable bucket filler, who's not afraid to give second chances because we're secure. What would that look like for you to step into? Can, I want to pray for us. God, we thank you so much for your goodness. God, I confess that there are times where, where I feel like um, I don't know if I want to step into this space. And yet, God, I also feel the invitation 
And so I pray, I pray right now, God, that you would, that you would help us, help us to move towards you in this. That Compass Church would be a loving presence space because it's filled of loving presence people. Help us in that, God. We trust you. We, we trust you. It's in your name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.